Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. All right. Welcome to Agent Power Huddle. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Okay. Let's, it's time. It's time to spill the tea with Amy. <laughs> so let's do it. Let's spill some tea. So today we are talking about how to get our offers accepted in this highly competitive market. I feel like we've talked about this before, but it's been a while. It's been about a year since I've talked about it here anyway in this venue. Um, and so I'm excited um, to talk about it again. You know, we it's a tough market. Anybody feeling it? I see some of you there with your screens on. Anybody feeling it? If you're driving, don't, don't, don't just nod. <laughs> Anybody feeling it, right? So we're definitely feeling it across the country. I will tell you this. It's a tough market. It is not an impossible market. It's not an impossible market. If if you think it's an impossible market, it will be an impossible market, right? It's all about what we think. It's all about our perspective. But there are some strategies that are working very well for me and for agents that I'm working with in my organization and throughout the country that are getting these offers accepted. So I have a lot to cover. So I'm going to jump right in. Those of you that are here live, I love you. And feel free to drop questions in the chat. Um, feel free to drop in what's working for you in the chat. Feel free to unmute and just jump right in if you want to add something somewhere along the line here and everybody else is going to catch this on their favorite podcast. So, Hey, hit me up if you agree or disagree with me, or you have an idea I don't cover, right? I want to learn. I want to learn from all of you. So I'm going to roll it back to before you're looking for houses for your buyers to the buyer consults. Now I know I said, we're going to talk about getting offers accepted, but it starts all the way back when they knock on your door, when they call you on the phone, when they email you, when they message you on any social media platform that you're on and they say, I like to buy a home. That's really where it starts. So the buyer consultation is super, super, super duper important. Um, in making sure that you understand where your buyer is and that you also can set expectations for the market with your buyer. Well, geez, Amy, how does that help me get offers accepted? Well, if we rush right through to the home shopping process, even we go through the pre-approval process, but we don't talk, we don't learn what the buyer knows about the market or what they think they know, they all know something, right? They may know what's going on or they may not, but they think they know something. So we need to find out through this buyer's consult process, what do they know about the market? And what do they think they know? And this is our opportunity to then educate them on what is happening in the market. So we can cover things not only like, You've got to be strongly pre-approved. You can't be pre-qualified. And I want to talk about pre-approval. You need your buyers to be pre-approved with documentation. First level underwriting, if that can be done. And if your lender won't do it, get another lender. Sorry, lenders. If you're, I've heard this too. Well, my lender won't do the first level of underwriting. Then get another lender because I've, sell, I've sold enough homes in the last eight years 
with various lenders who I love dearly, some more than others. Um, they are my partner. We are partners together, right? There is no sale for me without the lender unless, unless I got cash, right? Unless I got a bunch of buyers with cash. I like that too. And there is re- there's no commissions for the lenders without us. So we have to be partners. And as our markets shift and different things are going on the market, our strategy with our lender has to shift. So right now, it's really important that we're taking the time with the buyers and we're getting them completely pre-approved with full documentation and underwriting has put their eyes on this file before you go or I go show one house before I send a showing agent out. Doesn't matter your strategy. We've got to know. So we're not wasting time and emotion on buyers or sellers or realtors plates, especially now, because anybody, if especially if you hear anybody agree, um, we're showing more homes than ever before to get the same number of contracts, right? I write a great offer. My offers get accepted a lot. I'm rewriting offers in this market. I was doing it last year too. I'm I'm having, I'm going through a couple of houses before we get to the house. It's not about our level of skill set all the time, right? It is super competitive on steroids. So the buyer's consult is important. Some things I cover in the buyer's consult. <clears throat> I start off my buyer's consult after the niceties with asking them, hey, what do you know about the market? And then I shut up. I want them to tell me what they know. They'll also tell you what they don't know. They'll tell you what grandma's telling them. They'll tell you what mama and daddy's telling them. They'll tell them that someone wants a bunch, someone told them they could get a whole bunch of closing costs paid because five years ago, their friend moved into a house with just a thousand dollars down because somebody paid all their closing costs and they had down payment assistance. Right. I'm not saying, by the way, I'm going to talk super general and I'm not saying there aren't pockets where that's still happening. I'm not saying there aren't pockets where we are negotiating offers under list, but it's rare. So I don't want to focus on that in today's talk. Okay. Because it's just not happening in volume right now. It's it's possible for the right house in the right scenario, but it's not happening in volume right now. So I want to hear, and I'm never going to disagree with them, even if I do. I'm going to use yes and. So when Lisa tells me that grandma said she can get 5,000 in her closing costs paid for, I'm going to say yes and. Let's talk about that, right? Yes, Lisa. And I'm get, when do you think, why do you, why did you think grandma shared that with you? Where did grandma have that experience? Oh, well, grandma had that experience with my cousin who bought a house six years ago. Great. Let me talk about the market six years ago versus the market today and what the differences are. And so, yes, it's possible in that market. Now, let me transition you to what's happening in this market. We're just educating. Find out what they know so you know where to educate. So that buyer consult right now, before we're pre-approved, before we're looking at homes, gets their mind. It plants a seed in their mind. It gets their mind ready for down the road when we're making the offer. And now we have to talk about things like, is there money for um, you to pick up some title insurance, right? Is there, you've got to write your highest and best. You know what? On this one, we can't do an escalation clause. Here's why. We need strong earnest money. So when we're talking through the levers in the offer later, we want to be able to tie it back to the very first conversation we had in the buyer's consult. And we want the seed planted so it's 
a, a bit familiar. Even if they don't remember the whole conversation, it'll be familiar. And I can go back and say, hey, remember when we met on Zoom right before you talked to lender Tom? These are some of the things we talked about. Now we're the day has arrived. We're here. We're gonna, we want to put some of those things into play, into action. So we're getting them ready really subconsciously even early, early on. So buyer's consults. If you're not doing buyer's consults, just start doing them. All right, just start doing them. It's that simple. When someone calls me to see 123 Main Street, I'm like, great, let's get on a Zoom. Let's get on the phone if I can't get them on the Zoom, but 99% of the time I can get them on the Zoom. Let's get on the Zoom. It's super easy. Let's virtually meet and let's talk about 123 Main Street and let's talk about the whole thing. So I only need 30 minutes of your time. I tell them that every time. Sometimes I take 20, sometimes I take 45. It's okay. They Once they're in that Zoom with you, they love you. They'll stay with you. Buyer's consult. Um, part of the buyer's consult is pre-approval documentation. I won't beat it to death, but... I tell them in the buyer's consult, okay, next step is I'm getting you to a lender for the pre-approval and they're going to do two things. They're going to talk, well, three things. They're going to talk to you briefly about where you're at. Two, they're going to send you a secure link for an application we need you to fill out as quickly as you can, as thoroughly as you can. And three, they're going to give you this list of documents that they're going to require. Totally normal, but they're going to give you that list of documents. so. I'm going to tell you what those are now, too, so that you're hearing it more than once. I get them ready and I get them ready. And then at the end, the reward is we're going to have a pre-approval documentation that's going to set us up to go out and get you a house. Two, I I have um, a ton of listings and I have too many offers coming to my desk in two states, not even just in one state, that do not have proper pre-approvals. They do not. And they have not been pre-approved with documentation and the agents either don't know or aren't doing it. I don't know. I can't talk to every single agent as much as I would like to. I'm trying, but I can't dig that deep because there's too many. There's just too many coming. I'm one girl times however many listings times 12 to 40 offers at a time. So I I try to connect with everyone, but I can't dig in that deep to know why they don't have proper pre-approvals. So sometimes I think it's just lack of education. So let's do it. Um, lender partner up front, you've got to know who your lender partners are. And we, I know we all have a short list and we should, we should, we should have options for our clients. Um, it's our responsibility to have options for them. I really believe that you need to establish in the markets that you're in. So in the market that we're in, you need to establish with your lender, what the offer process is going to look like before you're making offers. So my lender knows that when I make an offer, I'm going to ask for a fresh pre-approval with a fresh date. I'm going to ask for it as soon as I need it. I'm going to want it. Um, I'm going to ask for um, him or her. I have a couple, but I'm, I'm going to use one. I'm going to ask him to, once I've submitted the offer, to call and text the agent and also send an email because I don't know how that agent likes to communicate that details why this is a great buyer and that details that they've been through underwriting already. So every time, and I need you to do it when I need you to do it. Because when I submit the offer, my video that goes over to the listing agent says, you've probably already been contacted or will shortly be contacted by Tom, by Mary, by whoever Mr. or Mrs. Lender is. So I need that to happen because from jump, what I say is going to happen needs to happen or that listing agent doesn't have trust in me. So 
I, I establish with the lender partners what our offer plan is going to be. And I'm open to their ideas and suggestions. So it's not only about Amy, right? And what Amy says, but I am definitely open to their suggestions and I want their partnership there. And so I make sure that they know that. All right. Let's dig into the meat and potatoes then, now that I've covered some of the pre-stuff of knowing what levers to pull. Now, I'm going to talk super generally um, and a little specific, and here's my caveat. I know our rules are different in different states, and this is everywhere. Yay! So always check with your broker, right? Always know what you can do in your state. So, And always feel free, whether it's on here or you want to jump in or to share with me. Um, kind of what's going on in your area, because that helps me learn too. So price, I got to tell you, I really feel like when you can, and you know, everything is, um, everything here is contingent upon what your buyer is comfortable with, what they can afford and what they're comfortable with, or what you can get them comfortable with. So price, you got to go in with your best price. You just don't have a second chance. You, you just don't right now. You don't have a second chance. And while I have been and have used escalation clauses before they were hip, before we were talking about them, I was using them. Actually, I was using them. I've only been a realtor for eight years. I When I first started using them, um, I would have agents that had been in the business 10, 15, 20 years at the time call me and say, what is this? And I would have to explain to them what it was. Now it's hip. Now everybody knows about it. And everybody's got an opinion about it. I don't think you always have time for them right now. I think you have to really determine as best as you can, what's what's your scenario with this particular house? What's going on in your market? How are people feeling if you're talking to other agents about these escalation classes and make a decision? Um, where I'm at, and I'm in two states, I'm in Illinois and Indiana, where I'm at, we really, we are using the escalation classes in Indiana. We don't, my Illinois folks don't seem to have a lot of patience for them from my experience. And um, I'm really coaching my buyers, just go in with your best price. Let the appraisal do its job and protect you. Just go in with your best price. Now, when I say that, you better be comfortable with that price because if we get that appraisal um, at this price, that's your price. So let's not be bidding a price you're not comfortable with. I, I, I would never coach another human being to bid something that they are going to feel bad about later. So we've, they've got to feel really, really good about it from the beginning. But Price. You've. I really feel like you've got to cut the escalation clause stuff right now, and you've got to jump to the best price. Loan type and why. When I get that pre-approval before our bidding on a home, I'm finding out if are they FHA. Why? Not because I don't like FHA. I like FHA. I have no problem. I'll sell any loan type you got. But did we check and see if they can do an insured conventional? Because I'll tell you, the number of times I've asked that question, even to my favorite lender, we didn't always check. And when we go back and check, sometimes they can do it. It is still a good financial scenario for them, or it's such a subtle difference that it doesn't make a big, big difference. Now, other times they're like, Amy, we looked this that we got to do FHA. And here's the list of reasons why I always want to know why they were approved the way they were. Uh, I come from a place of curiosity and nobody gets mad. But the buyers don't know any better. So it's my job, right? Our job to look around the corner for them and just ask the questions. So know your loan type and why. And you may need to use that in your in your offer process. 
Uh, everybody knows cash is king. So when they can bid and use cash, let's do it. But let's be realistic. There's a, we have a heck of a lot of buyers that don't have cash for a full cash purchase. They may have a good cash position, but they may not be able to buy the house or want to buy the house full cash. So often they're using a loan. So we just want them to use the best loan for them. Also, don't be afraid of loans. I am, I am not afraid of VA loans. We're hearing a lot of noise in the market about people not wanting being concerned about VA loans. Um, our VA buyers have served their country, right? They've paid the ultimate price. And so um, now it's time for them to leverage their benefit. And so I'm out there with duking it out with the VA buyers too, when we are getting them accepted. So um, just stay the course on your VA buyers. Um, I know I, I hear, I've heard a lot of noise on that lately, and I just wanted to give some encouragement around that. Um, earnest money, strong earnest money position, strong earnest money position. Now, I know earnest money is handled differently in different states. Where I'm at in my two states, earnest money is due before the inspection, and it is executed right away. So it's dispersed to the um, brokerage that is holding the earnest money or the title company right away. And that is then held until closing or mutual release, whichever happens. So there's not a period of which um, when it later becomes available. But in our contracts in my market, what we can do is we can provide earnest money in stages. We can provide strong earnest money up front, and then we can offer to provide an additional earnest money after an inspection or really under any terms that we determine. Most agents, we kind of ignore that section in our contract. So getting into your contracts and knowing all the sections and knowing how you can leverage things that maybe you have never had to leverage before. So I really haven't had to offer extra earnest money or we're going to give 3000 in earnest money now and after inspection, we'll give you another three. I've never had to do that in my career before in real estate because what I was doing before, which was just offering the expected or appropriate earnest money, or if we thought it was a little competitive, a little bit more was working for years, but now um, it's tougher. So we've, I've pulled different levels that my buyers have been comfortable with to see what's working. And so this is working. This is working for me. Um, the strong earnest money position and sometimes an extra deliver of earnest money um, that has provided your buyers comfortable, as comfortable as they can be with that process. And you, you have to be comfortable too. Like Sometimes as an agent, I can see red flags on these homes ahead of the buyers, but they want to they want to give it a shot anyway. They want to let the inspection determine. Uh, you know, I might make different recommendations if I see some red flags, but I always give buyer all the options and all of the if then scenarios. Right. So because I don't want them to lose their earnest money. Now, in both of my markets, um, there is always a window to get your earnest money back to have that released. So it is not not, and I won't say that people don't try to keep the earnest money, but we, we are pretty successful um, as long as we are in our, our initial period of time. It's usually in Illinois, it's about, it's five days in Indiana. It can vary depending on how I write it. We've been writing most of those around six or seven days. So usually within that first week, we can get earnest money back and release with no issue. Um, time to close. I really try, and I'm a busy listing agent too. So I um, I understand, I, he I hear buyers tell me, I'm not reaching out to the listing agent and finding out what the seller needs because they're busy and they don't respond. Well, please reach out to me, right? If you're in this market, because I'm busy and I will respond. Text me, email me, send a smoke signal, leave me a voicemail, I will get back to you. It may be tomorrow, but I will get back to you or later today. Um, I am reaching out, I'm sending videos. One-to-one -one video seems to work really well. Less than a minute, 
pick up your phone, one-to-one video, it's a listing agent. Hey, I'm placing an offer. It's going to be incredible, right? It's going to be an incredible offer. Just want to know what seller needs besides an incredible price, right? Because that's the market we're in. Sellers want the best price. We know that. So I don't have to ask them about that. But do they need um, time to move? Do they need possession time? Do What are they worried about? What are their fears? I could guess what they are, but I don't really know their situation. So I'm asking when I can't make the connection, I, I, I have to submit the offer sooner than I may to hear back from the listing agent. Guess what? Then we're just as provided buyers comfortable, we're pulling out all the stops. And I'm let, and then we're presenting ourselves as flexible. Hey, we don't know what the seller needs. We weren't able to connect. No problem. Here's what we've offered and why we're flexible. As long as that's true, right? And in most cases, I'm finding with my buyers, it's true. They're in most cases willing and able to be flexible. Um, possession. Do they need a possession time? Do they need some free possession time that we can do in a way that everybody's comfortable with? Do they need a lease back? Um, you know, you, I'm not, at least in our markets, we're not about to give someone 60 days free here. Um, but, you know, I've had, I had one recently that uh, someone submitted an offer on one of my listings recently here. They offered us, we wanted 60 day lease back and they offered the first 10 days at no charge and then 50 additional days after closing um, for, um, for a per diem, for a lease back at a per diem, which is very attractive to my seller. In this case, my seller did want top price, but her most important um, uh, need was the ability to find a home after her home is closed, if it should go that far. So we needed that additional 60 days. And so that's how they submitted the offer. And they were the winners. They were not the highest offer either. There were higher offers, but they were the winners because of the combination of terms and what the seller's need was. Um, when I'm writing offers for buyers, uh, we're offering to pay the title fees. We're offering to pay the title insurance. We're offered to pay the title fees. If they can't pay them all, we're offering to split them. A lot of times I have buyers that can't pay all that. Like I can look up on a title sheet what the fees are going to be, right? What the, okay, the title insurance is, and even if I don't know the exact title company, I can get close. So I just tell my buyers, I pull the title sheet and say, okay, the title fees on this are going to be around this for insurance and closing costs at the title company. Let's talk about, can you pay that? Are you willing to pay that? Are you willing to pay a portion? Let's talk about why that would put you ahead of some of the other offers potentially. Um, and it's working. So uh, I've had somewhere we were only able to split and I was like, oh, I hope it's enough. And it was enough. So, and there were a lot of offers and we were able to get it, get it accomplished. Um, waiving the survey. I haven't in uh, 18 months had any seller want to pay for a survey. Not once. I closed 96 homes last year. Nobody wanted to pay for a survey. So we're waiving the survey. I'm encouraging buyers to waive the survey. Does that mean buyer can't have a survey? No, it just means if we we're going to order one as a part of the process and it's going to go into their closing costs, they're going to pay for it little bit less expensive in here, at least to get your um, surveys orders a part of the closing process rather than a buyer making a phone call on their own. We find that they tend to be charged more when they're making their own phone calls. Most surveyors, again, I'm speaking generally. So we're just doing it for them as a part of the process. So they, they get their survey, so they have it, but we're not asking seller to pay for it. Inspection. So I know that there's going to be a variety of opinions on inspections and what to do. I really put the buyer in the in the decision making seat on everything, but especially on inspections. 
Um, personally, my opinion, I don't love to recommend that a buyer waive an inspection. Um, I just don't. And the buyers that I have had, unless they're a cash investor buyer that knows what they're doing and wants to waive the inspection, different thing. They're going to go in and renovate to buy and hold, or they're going to go in and renovate to flip. They know what they're doing. Different thing. I've got those buyers, but I'm talking about my, oh, my, owner occupant buyers, especially those that haven't maybe haven't bought a house before or have only bought a couple of houses. I don't love them to waive their inspection because I, there's just so many things that can happen after the fact, but I give them all their options. Um, what works really well for us here is an as is. And I know that the, 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 how the as is works, the legalities around as is can vary in different markets. Um, but we're doing a lot of as is here where they're still entitled to an inspection, but they're saying up front that they're not going to be asking for repairs. The, however, it does give them an out within the first in my markets five days. If they found something major they couldn't live with to exit unless seller wanted to entertain a fix. So if we find a roof issue, a foundation issue, mold in the attic, and I've had lots where we have, and that those things were things that were too big for my buyers to take on, we have an opportunity to exit. In some of those, we were able to exit. Seller was able to make a different decision. In others, sellers raised their hand, stepped up to the plate and made repairs. So because of our communication around it. So I really think it's just going to depend on the combination of humans that we're dealing with at the time. It's hard to predict that. But as is has worked super, super well um, in my two markets here with with many, many, many of my buyers. I, I haven't written a contract that's not as is in a long time, maybe over a year. Um, appraisal. Whew appraisals. Don't we love them? <laughs> so appraisals. I have written more appraisal um, uh, appraisal gaps, <laughs> appraisal gap contingencies. I have written more of those in the last year than I ever wrote in the prior, prior six or seven years where we're saying, look, if it here, we're bidding this great price, but if it doesn't appraise for some reason, we're going to give you some dollars. That really requires you to be working with a buyer that has some money, has a strong cash position, and they really love the house enough that they're willing to pay a difference uh, up to a certain amount. What's really worked well for my buyers and for me is using lang up to language. So um, it depends on the price point that you're dealing with. So if you're dealing, I'm going to think about an average price point of 250 or 300,000. As your price points goes up, I know your appraisal gap numbers will go up too, right? So just apply it to your market. But here, you know, in that 250, $300,000 market, we're writing five to $10,000 in appraisal gap. So, and we're using the language up to. So if the home didn't appraise and there was a shortage, buyer's going to give up to, let's say, $5,000 to the, to the seller. The up to language is important because if it's only $3,000 short, we only have to give $3,000. Um, those have really made a difference. And feedback that I've gotten on offers that are accepted is that often that that appraisal gap really helped us stand out and get accepted. Now, I think we're all learning the tricks, which is great. And so I'm seeing more and more uh, of those coming to the table now than I even saw four or five months ago. Um, but it is, a, it is a really, really good strategy coupled with all of the other things, um, all of the other levers that we can pull. 
Let's see. Um, things I didn't cover that I'll just quickly cover is, no, you know, we're not asking for home warranties. That doesn't mean the buyer can't have one. It just means they're going to pay for it. And so I'm educating them on that. I've already talked about survey. Um, we talked about cash. Easy. I want to talk quickly before we wrap up about easy delivery of offer. Look, I'm just going to speak for me. I am super flexible, super flexible. And I want to work with everybody. I want to help everybody. When I have a dozen or more offers coming in on any one listing as a listing agent, it's overwhelming. And so little things take more time. I, By the way, I open them all. I read them all. But little things make a difference um, and take more time. I'm always presenting them all to the seller. So the seller will always get an opportunity um, to see everything that comes into me. So we just get that out of the way. But, you know, it makes a difference when someone puts together, even if it's just an email, just puts together some bullet points of what's in that offer. Um, if all of the documents are filled out correctly the first time, and I, there's not a bunch of corrections that has to happen, if they're clean, if they're all attached as individual files and not one big giant file, so I could just pull what I need. Um, like, for example, I don't need to see, I'm going to check to see that they sign the seller's disclosures, but I need to read the offer. That's what I need to read. I need to read the offer and the amendments to the offer that tell me, is there an escalation? Are they waiving things that maybe isn't in that initial purchase agreement? I need to see the pre-approval. I need to be able to find everything the way I want to find it. Every listing agent is probably different. I go first to um, the pre-approval. That's where I go first. So, uh, or proof of funds. I want to see that first. And then I pull together the other components of the offer. I have to pull it all together so I can put together from my clients, I put together offer spreadsheets, uh, Google Sheets, so that we can sit down with all the paper and all the sheets and we can compare in a business-like way all of the details of all of the different offers and help make a decision. And I literally list in a sheet every single component of every offer. And then I have the offer there for them to compare to. So it makes up for an easier conversation for them and for me. So the easiest that you can deliver an offer to me as a listing agent, it makes my life a little bit easier. It gives me, um, it just makes it easier. And I really think that makes a difference um, when we're when we're all working together. So I really try when I'm presenting offers to present them in a easy, clean way um, with my to my listing agents. Um, I text them to let them know I've sent it. I recognize they may not be able to get back to me because of the volume. That's fine. Most do, but there are some that I never hear from until I hear if we got it or not. Um, but, and then I, I do want a receipt. So I do stay on them for a receipt because I want to make sure they got my offer. And that doesn't seem to be an issue. But I, I attach a video also. So it's a two-minute little video. I've done it with my phone. I've done it with BombBomb Bomb that just says, hey, I want to introduce myself. I want to introduce my um, the uh, my offer. Here are the bullet points. Boom, 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 boom. Under two minutes. Um, just so that they have that and they know what's on this email I've sent them. And then I text them to let them know I sent you an offer. It's got a quick video in there and some offer highlights. Just let me know that you received it. I'm here if I can help in any way. So I really think that 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 sets you apart um, and helps the listing agent understand your offer. Um, and get your offer presented. I If I get an offer that's not super clean and I don't have time to work with that agent to clean it up or my seller doesn't have time and we have other offers, I let my seller know everything. So, and often my seller will cut those offers that aren't clean and go with one of the other ones. 
sellers don't have to counter you. You know, they don't have to give you a second chance. So, and if you, if you have, if you need a mentor in your market or you have a mentor in your market, have them look at your offers. I'm looking at offers for agents all the time in my two markets. I'm happy to do it. I'm, you know, just to make sure that we've got a couple of brains on it and we're trying to position ourselves obviously to win um, as many times as we can, but to get to the top of the list as often as we can too. Um, all right. I'm going to, I'm almost, I'm almost going to be over time. I will say a couple more quick things. I'm not asking for extra personal property. Um, here's how I'm doing that. I will tell you if they want the bar stools, but it's not a part of the listing, I'm saying in the email when I send it over, hey, if we get it, they'd love, you know, if seller is willing to either leave or sell them the bar stools, we'd love to have that conversation, but it's not a part of our offer because it's not a deal breaker. Deal with personal property after you get the offer accepted. Um, Although one thing I am doing in further conditions, especially if it's a property that has a lot of stuff in it, I am saying as long as my buyer agrees and my buyers often are telling me this, hey, if seller needs to leave anything, buyers will be willing for them to leave whatever that they would like. You know, that doesn't hurt the offer. I'm not asking for anything, but I'm just making it easy for the sellers. If they want to leave the furniture, buyers will keep it. So, and a lot of my buyers are saying that to me. So that really came from listening to my buyers over the last year or so. Um, and them saying, hey, if there's a lot of stuff in here, it looks like nobody lives here. If that's the case, we will, we'll keep all the stuff if they just want to leave it. So I've had several homes that that was one of the reasons why we got the offer amongst writing a really great offer. The listing agent later after we accepted said, seller was just happy they didn't have to move any of the stuff out. So in addition to everything else they were able to get, so that puts you ahead. And I would have never guessed that would have made the difference in us winning an offer prior. So you just never know what people are looking for. So as many things as you can think of and position that your buyer is comfortable with to the listing agent and the seller, that's the kind of market we're in, right? That's the kind of market we're in. I missed 2017 a little bit in 2018. It was really more of a buyer's market. And I was getting closing costs and all kinds of stuff for my buyers at every single offer. It's just not the common thing right now. The common right now is that sellers are in a position to really leverage um, their properties to get all of the things that they want for the most part. So as long as we know that and we can get our buyers comfortable with that, we can find a home for them. So I hope you guys got a lot of some value out of this today. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. See you next week. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.